started a webinar series that we're hoping to run up until Wednesday this week, looking at how we can assist employers at this uncertain time. So uh, right now we are all grappling with the impact of COVID-19 and the global pandemic. And what we are realizing is that the situation is changing rapidly from day to day. Now, what has become very important is the need for business continuity. Many businesses are now faced with the fact that they're not allowed, well, there are limits on the number of persons allowed on premises. We see many persons starting to tell employees they can work from home. We see the call for social distancing. And I know probably 2019, no one had really heard that term before, social distancing. And so now we're called into this new paradigm but what we want to focus on in this series is how do we enable the business community to respond. So business as usual, but with a twist, that's what we're discussing. Because what you have done in the past in terms of providing services is what you still need to do. But how do we do this in this rapidly evolving and changing situation? And what the public health experts have explained is that the less persons who come into contact with an infected person means there are less cases and they, it slows down the spread of the virus. Now, what we are seeing happening internationally is that the virus is spreading very quickly and very aggressively and has the potential in some cases, and unfortunately in others, it has overwhelmed the healthcare facilities and they're not able to keep up with the number of new cases presented daily. So what social distancing is supposed to do is to help to empower that. Now, we know that social distancing is important. There are many videos that have been circulating on social media explaining the need for this. And therefore, when we advocate remote work, what we're trying to do um, as a business community is to also aid in that effort towards social distancing. Remote work is something that some persons have embarked on before on occasion, but for others, it might be something relatively new. So what we're gonna discuss this afternoon is some practical concepts, um, practical tips that you can embrace as you seek to embrace um, remote work and to aid in the public health efforts. So Kristen Turton, she's going to give us some contractual considerations because we know you contracted some person to work in your organization to work at a different um, a specific location and now you are changing that what are some of the considerations that you have to take into account as we move towards remote work so Kristen I'll turn over to you at this point Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'm not, I don't think it's possible for me to be viewed by video. I'm not sure if that can be resolved, but while we attempt to do that, what I would want to do is just give a start of 
um, some of the considerations that we have to make. When you employ someone, um, technically you're employing them to work in a particular location. And for most people, they would not to this point have considered having their employees work from home. Um, in most instances, they would have them work from their offices or business or businesses. And that in some cases, it can be considered a fundamental change of the person's employment contract if they're required to work elsewhere. It is for that reason that there really has to be agreement as between an employer and an employee as to a change in that location. Um, it also will take into consideration changes in how employees are going to perform their functions as well as how they're going to be considered to be accountable. Um, I think a lot of employers tend to be concerned about whether or not they're, how are they going to know that their employee is performing um, their function or are they going to know that work is going to be done. And in, in my opinion, that is done following discussions with the, with the actual employee as to how practically they can actually perform their functions. And then coming to an agreement and reducing that to writing in terms of how you are going to hold them accountable. That can include, for example, a requirement that they be made available to take certain calls, um, that um, you can utilize various forms of technology in order to ensure that employees are working. For example, you have things like Google Documents. If you have a type of employee who's required to prepare documents, um, you can have them prepare documents by way of Google Docs, and you can actually observe as they do the work. Obviously, no employer wants to sit down and watch their employee work, but you can check in from time to time and to make sure that they're complying with what they have to do. Um, you can require that they submit certain things to you on a consistent basis so that they can, you can keep them accountable and make sure that the work is being done as it should be done. As I've indicated, the best way to do this is through discussion, because it is a change in how employees are expected to do things, and they're not going to think about things the way you as an employer think about things. Um, they may be concerned about having to utilize, for example, their own cell phone. They may be concerned about having to utilize their own internet, um, their electricity. And those are things that you need to discuss with them, for example, if, if they have internet at home already, there's no reason why, no practical reason why, for example, an employer may have to compensate an employee for their internet because they would have used it anyway. It's not metered. Um, however, let me see if I can start. Yes. Okay, great. Um, right. It's not metered. There's no real way to, to measure any increased cost to the employee. So there's no real need to actually pay an additional sum of money to the employee for that. But if, you, if one of the conditions that you're employing in order to make sure that they're doing their work is that they have to be available all the time to take telephone calls, it may be useful to consider whether you have to do, provide them with some type of allowance if that form of communication is going to result in an increased telephone bill or if that particular employee uses um, prepaid, a prepaid um, number, they may have to buy credit in order to facilitate that. So those are considerations that you have to make because your obligation as an employer now is to make sure that with this change in 
how they're to perform their function, that they're provided with the resources to do that, and that you incur the costs associated with those resources. Now, of course, if there are no increased costs to the employee, there are no increased costs to you. But to the extent that what you are now requiring them to do results in an increased cost, you have to bear in mind that there may be a financial obligation, an additional financial obligation that you may incur in that regard. Um, as I said, mutual agreement is really the foundation of, of going forward. And I think ultimately it is about getting the buy-in from your employee about the necessity to take this step. For example, some people may be concerned about an employee saying, no, they don't want to work from home. Um, they don't think it's appropriate for them to be required to do that. Um, but ultimately, we have to be practical at this time. And in order for businesses to continue properly and for you to make sure that you um, ensure the health and safety of your employees, that may be the only way that work can continue. And if the employee refuses or is unwilling to accept your offer of an alternate means of carrying out their job function, then the consideration has to be whether or not they would prefer in those circumstances to be laid off um, or ultimately for their position to be made redundant. Um, those are considerations which we will discuss in more detail in another uh, webinar that we have later on this week. But Ultimately, that's the type of discussion that you need to be able to have um, with, your, with your employee about, about that. Um, one of the other considerations that employers have to look at is confidentiality, depending on the type of environment um, or the type of um, business that you have, confidentiality may be critical. And you may have to create, for example, um, if it's not already in the, your contract with the employee, you may have to create a clause that speaks to um, the need to maintain confidentiality at all times uh, to, for the employee to arrange themselves when they are doing their work to be able to do that in a confidential manner. Um, if you have a business that has files, for example, that um, employees work on, you have to create a policy that determines how are those files to be taken from the office, how are they to be accessed, will you simply um, utilize technology and try to have all documents scanned and placed in the cloud or uh, with remote access to a server. If you have physical files because you don't have a digital system, um, you may have to arrange a way for files to be accessed by the employee, but also for confidentiality to be maintained. So you may wish the employee to identify to you um, or identify to their relevant supervisor um, what type of environment they may be in or be able to access at home in order to facilitate um, the, the necessary confidentiality that's in place and impress upon the employee how important it is to maintain that confidentiality and to guard the, the files and, and, and so on because ultimately you have obligations to your clients and your customers. Um, the employee does not have that obligation because ultimately the customer or client isn't going to the employee. The customer or client is really coming to you as the owner of the business and you have the overarching responsibility to make sure that that confidentiality is maintained. To facilitate that, that's why you have to impress upon the employee the importance of it um, and do all that you can do to assist them in maintaining that confidentiality. Um, I will just touch briefly once more on the 
concept of resources that may have to be employed to have an employee work from work from a remote location. So there, there are multiple digital platforms that exist in order to facilitate that. And ultimately, you have a responsibility as an employer to make sure that your employees are properly trained in order to perform their job function. So if they are now using some type of online platform in order to perform their function, you have to arrange training courses for them. It may very well be that the actual program itself um, provides guides and training facilities, but structurally, you ought to provide a training plan for the employee to ensure that they understand what they are going, what they have to do, how they're going to utilize these resources, and how that will assist you in essentially paying them. Um, in terms of physical resources, hardware, and so on, if your employee does not have a computer at home, um, if they don't have a, a mobile phone or a phone that can facilitate you contacting them, then in order for the business to continue, you may have to consider purchasing such an item because of course the obligation is yours. Um, you may have to consider purchasing such an item, but I would recommend that if you do that, that you create a policy about how those physical resources are to be accessed, how they are to be utilized, make it clear that the, uh, it's not being given to the employee um, permanently or that it is not owned by them. It is being provided to them to facilitate work. Um, one of, one of those considerations um, would have to be the extent to which the employee is allowed to use it for personal purposes. And your policy should address that. You should always address the extent to which the employee can use your resources, for example, a laptop or whatever, for their purpose, personal purposes. Um, if you want to restrict that, that's perfectly fine, um, but it has to be clear. It has to be clearly stated and it has to be very clearly um, understood by the employee. I, I would recommend that while it be expressed in writing that there be a discussion that takes place about it. Um, the final thing I would mention is it is useful, yes, to have a meeting with all of your staff, depending on how large your organization is, you may want to have a broad meeting with all of your staff, um, but it is recommended that you have individual meetings with them to facilitate so that they can feel comfortable explaining to you what environment they have at home. And this is more of a practical consideration even than a legal one, but you have to be clear that the environment at home is consistent with what you, what you want your employees to do, what you want to have them doing. And to do that, it's best to do that in a conversation with them. So if you have a large organization, of course you will have supervisors, who can have those individual conversations for you, um, but you as the employer can have those conversations with your supervisors. So it's just a matter of making sure that everyone understands what they're supposed to be doing. They understand the legal restrictions that apply to them. Um, as I said, I would recommend that anything that you're doing now, you do in writing, you can do that personally. You can engage a human resources specialist to do that. Um, you can engage an attorney at law to do that, and you're going to advise you in detail about your particular business. But those are the types of steps that you have to look to take right now to secure not only um, the current well-being of your business, but also the longevity of it. Because if employees also feel as if you are 
advising them to work remotely. You've made the decision to work remotely because you're concerned about their well-being, right? And you make appropriate arrangements for them to do that. And you also want to do this so that the business can continue and so they can continue to earn. Then I think you will have more buy-in, not just in the long term, but in the not just in the um, short term, but also in the long term. So that's what I would recommend. Okay, Kristen, um, I will jump in here and continue with some practical considerations when it comes to remote work. So one of the things I would, <clears throat> I would suggest, um, Kristen, you just talked about communication and how important it is. One of the things that we cannot forget is communication it is vital. I would recommend having a daily check-in. That way you can have conversation with your team to, mm -hmm. so persons have an idea of what is expected of them. And the truth is a, very, a lot of persons are very anxious at this point in time. So you can give them a sense of reassurance. Um, I, I would agree with that, Sheena. In fact, what, what I would recommend is having daily meetings, group meetings. And as right. I said, you facilitate that quite easily um, with various resources, such as the same Zoom function that we're using right now. Um, you, can, you can facilitate those meetings with your entire team so that everybody's clear on what they're supposed to be doing. You can also break it down. If you have a larger organization, you can have supervisors have meetings with their particular team members, and then they can also, then the employer can have meetings with the supervisors. But it's important that you, you maintain those types of meetings because that is what is going to allow everybody to continue to function the way that the business needs to function. Exactly. And I know right now we're um, in a period of uncertainty. And the truth is perfection might not be possible. So yes, you need to have policies in place but you need to at least start somewhere. So even you can always amend policies, you can always add an additional policy. So if you are about to issue staff with, you're letting persons work remotely, but at this point in time, you're going to be using cell phones and WhatsApp just to get you off the ground because uh, while we were monitoring the situation, it's rapidly changing. When you get to the point where you realize, okay, I need to buy laptops for my staff members, then you go ahead and develop the policy at that point in time. I know very often we try to make sure we have all of our ducks in a row. And yes, I would advocate for that in as much as, as it's possible. But we don't, also don't want you to wait on perfection and then not do anything. And then you find, okay, um, a shutdown has been called or you need to offer it have something in operation, but you were waiting on something else and you haven't um, proceeded in the process. So communicate and it's uncertain time. So if you need to add an additional policy or layer it, then do so when the time calls for it. Take advantage of technology. So yes, there's the Zoom, um, go to meetings. There are a few platforms out there, but good old WhatsApp can work as well depending on what you have going on. Microsoft has Microsoft Teams. I discovered this gem only um, over the weekend. So keep it simple if you need to. 
you don't have to necessarily go out and purchase a a new subscription to a new program or go to buy new technology examine what you have the tools you have on hand and see how you can utilize them in the immediate future even if you are then doing your research to see what platform might work best for you yes so I, I definitely agree with that yeah so the technology is out there so keep it simple because you don't want everyone trying to figure out how to work from home how to work with new technology how to figure out their lives all at the same time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Manage expectations. Help your team figure out what they should do and create realistic expectations for their work. So persons need to know, yes, I'm working from home. I'm accustomed to hearing from my supervisor and I know exactly what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis. They still need that type of information. So this, when we talk about managing expectations, defining the scope, giving deadlines, what are real deliverables for each task? So keeping your staff informed of what exactly you expect for them when they're working from home. Because if they were seeking guidance in office, they're still going to need that guidance if they are not physically in front of you. And this one is, I know some persons might struggle a bit with this, but working, from, working remotely is a paradigm shift. You have to focus on the outcomes, not necessarily activity. So you can't manage every aspect of the work being done by a remote team. It's simply not possible. What you have to focus on is what you expect the outcome to be at the end of the day. And are you getting to that outcome? So you have to focus on, on the targets. You can't focus on what is happening day to day, minute to minute. So what is your target? Is your outcome that all of the calls coming to your organization must be answered, then that's what you focus on. Do you, are all of the calls being answered? Do you have persons complaining that um, their calls are going to voicemail? Is the voicemail being cleared often enough? Focus on, you, on what your outcome is and not necessarily on the nitty gritty because remote work is, does not empower you to focus on the nitty gritty, you have to focus on the outcome. Um, I, I would agree with that. The only thing I would add is that that's the benefit of also having key performance indicators. Um, and, and that's why it's also important to provide that to your team um, and also have that be part of the employment contract. I mean, it's difficult to say that you have to do everything perfectly now. But at this point, when everything is so fluid, everything changes day to day, it may be sufficient for you to take a moment and think about what are the main things that my employees must achieve each for each position and send an email exactly. and have the employee respond and say, okay, I, I accept that this is not my responsibility or this is how I am going to be measured. And that is how you will know whether it's working effectively. It should also be noted that there are plenty of people all over the world who work remotely and some of them are quite happy to do it and consider it to be even better than having everybody in the same office space. So I, I, I would want people to consider that while we are not being forced into this position by these circumstances, it may ultimately be better for some people and they should approach it with an open mind and approach it as if it is an opportunity. Uh, many of the aspects of this crisis um, are really opportunities just waiting to be explored. 
And if we approach it that way, then I actually think that most people will be able to, to come out of it, not just on the brighter side, but actually maybe even better than they were before the crisis happened. Definitely. Um, as I said, it's a paradigm shift. We have to start thinking about how do we deliver our service, but deliver it in a different manner, but ultimately deliver the same service. Another consideration, um, some persons, you will have an organization where some persons can work remotely and others can't. That yes. is a, a, a situation where communication is definitely needed. You need to communicate with the persons that stay behind who are thinking, I have my coworkers, they're working from home, but yet still I have to come to this building or this plant every day. So you have to talk your employees through that process. Uh, it's one thing to know your entire organization is working from home. It's another dynamic where some they're working from home and others have to come in on a day-to-day -day basis. So bear that in mind when you're communicating with your employees. What I would also want to share is there are some persons in your organization um, you might want to take advantage of this time to maybe retool or redeploy them, etc. We're going to have another session looking at changing, uh, changing terms, but just some ideas for consideration in terms of things that can be done remotely. That sometimes we have these back burner projects that you know the organization needs to have some research done, but finding the time has always been difficult, then this might be an opportunity to start looking into that. So you can use opportunities for training. There are many online academies. Um, BBC does online training as well, so that's a plug. But generally speaking, if you need to train persons on something specific, this can be an opportunity. Um, I mentioned you have, might have some back burner projects, so some manuals that needed writing, um copy for your organization so that project works those can be deployed to resources within your organization at this point in time so there are things that are critical to the organization that finding time before was difficult um planning is an, a period of uncertainty but yet still you might have some major events that you have to do and why not get a jump on it while you can data crunching so desk research compiling metrics um those types of things things for consideration that employees can be assigned to do during this point in time while they're working from home now typically when we think about work from home we think about a monthly paid worker because mm -hmm. when we Think about work from home, somebody who's getting a flat fee, it's easy, but sometimes we have persons who work um, on, on an hourly rate. There's nothing preventing an hourly paid worker from working from home, but I think what you will need to do is to just have in your mind those outcomes and performance metrics, those KPIs, so you should have a general idea of the time needed to perform certain tasks. And you can probably, or you should, seek to establish that upfront so that um, the communication becomes easier at the end of the project. 
So you don't want to leave it open-ended knowing that you have an hourly paid worker. And then at the end, the person is telling you that it took them 40 hours and you're saying, but no, this is 20 hours of work. So from the get-go, you can have that conversation. Well, this is a project that I'm assigning. Uh, I believe it should take between 20 to 30 hours. If you notice any deviation, that's something you can have a discussion on in the early. So there's nothing preventing an hourly paid worker from working remotely. So I just thought I would add that in as well. Um, the, the contract itself can also be amended to take that into consideration because as they're an hourly employee, you can indicate to them, um, for example, how, what period of time you're looking at for them exactly. to, be, to be working. So you're saying, I expect you to work eight hours a day. Um, you can specify if it is, you know, um, eight to four, um, however you want to do it, you can specify how many hours you expect them to work. Um, you, you can amend the contract to take that into consideration and provide clear guidance on that. That's also where you also arrange for certain check-ins to make sure that every hour they might be working. Um, and I like your recommendation that you identify how long you expect a particular task to take. Um, if you have a long-standing employee who you know how they tend to work, you can actually discuss those things with the employee before so that you say to them, okay, this is the task I want you to undertake. As far as I'm concerned, this might take 20 hours. In your experience, how long would it ordinarily exactly. take? Um, and what you should also do, you can also look at time tracking um, technology, many of which you don't actually have to pay for. Um, there are different ways in which employees can track their time and see how much time they're spending on a particular task at a particular point in time. Um, and it really just takes a little bit of research. It won't take too long. I know people, I know time is a critical thing for employers. They, they have that experience all the time, but um, that is something that doesn't take very long to, to find out in terms of what resources like that you can use so that your employee can track their time, especially for someone who is working based on an hourly performance. Okay, so that's it um, from me in terms of the practical tips. So I think at this point we can go to, we can go to the questions. I saw, I saw that we had a question post posted. The question relates to the fact that the business does not have work that can be done remotely. And the question is, do I have an obligation to pay an employee who, one, is not sick, two, can come into work and sit six feet from others? So, that, so you're saying that um, you can have adequate spacing between your employees in your location, but the employee refuses to come in because they don't want to travel on the bus. Okay, um, I, I see the question and I understand the challenges that it faces. Um, I will preface everything that I'm saying by the fact that of course, this is a very new and fluid situation. Um, and therefore, obviously, there are, there are courts and tribunals that would never have looked at this specific situation. But what I can say is that based on first principles, you have an obligation to secure the safety and health of your employees at work. Your obligation extends to the working environment. So once you have taken reasonable and rational steps 
to ensure that your work environment is safe, then you have discharged your obligation under the contract and pursuant to the relevant legislation. The employee's obligation, of course, is to ensure that they are safe as well. Um, I know that obviously everyone doesn't have access to private transportation and you know people have to be concerned about their health, but to the extent that the government has not um, made any, declared any state of emergency um, and has not imposed any legislation to address a specific situation, I, in my view, the employee has an obligation to come to work if they are not sick and there is no risk that they themselves can cause harm to the other employees that work with you. Um, in that case, the obligation rests on them to ensure that they find a way to get to work. And if they don't, then what they're choosing is, they're either choosing to address this concern with their health by saying, I'm not going to look for another way to get to work, or they find a way to get to work where your environment has been deemed to be safe. Um, if they're unable to perform their functions, you may have to look at whether or not um, they are prepared to essentially withdraw from, from service at this time, whether or not you have to look at the specific circumstances to see whether or not they might qualify for some type of unemployment benefit relative to um, laying them off. Um, but ultimately, I would, I would not think that you would have an obligation to pay them once you have taken all steps, all reasonable steps, to secure their safety in the work environment. I would um, concur with that because an you as an employer, you have the obligation to provide work and you are supposed to provide a safe place for the employees to carry out their duties. From, if you are providing a safe place of work, you have work available for the employee, but the employee does not present themselves for work I don't see anything under way, and I don't see anything that compels you to pay the employee in those circumstances. What you may have to do is to have a discussion with the employee to explore mm -hmm. other options. Maybe that person might need to proceed on vacation mm -hmm. because if they're anxious about the situation, they might need to proceed on vacation so that they can be paid and they utilize that paid time off. That is another option. The holiday pay out will say that it's two weeks notice, but if you come to an agreement, then um, that will be fine. Mm -hmm. You have any other questions? No other questions on what we discussed so far. Um, I'll just mention that tomorrow we are going to continue this series. And tomorrow we're actually going to have two sessions, one at 10 and one again at 3 p.m. So 10 a.m. tomorrow, we're gonna have a chat on what we're calling it is a brave new world, new or not so new terms where we will delve a bit more into detail on changing your contracts, getting employee buy-in, and the power of mutual agreement. Um, because it's a changing landscape, the need to 
revisit some employment contracts. So how do you go about doing that? That's what we're discussing at 10 a.m. tomorrow. And then at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, we're going to have a health and safety expert on where we have some discussion around some practical health and safety tips and practices that you can employ in your organization. We've been having questions from persons in terms of, can I use, can I check employee temperatures when they come into the building, health screening, what I can and cannot do. So that is something that we're gonna discuss at 3 p.m. tomorrow. So as I said, 10 a.m., we're looking at how do you change your contractual terms and then 3 p.m., health and safety. We are recording the sessions so that we can post them for future reference because we do know that persons are very busy at this point in time, engaged in various meetings as you look to shore up your business continuity practices. And we also don't know what will happen from day to day if there will be any announcements from government which might change how you need to operate so given the fluid situation, we are going to record all of these sessions and make them available. That way, as I said, you can reference them, but we're trying to get the information out there to you that you can utilize within your organizations as soon as, as you need to. Sheena, we have another question. Uh, the question is, under the current environment, does the company have to provide 14 days notice to proceed on vacation? At this point, there has been no change to our holiday pay legislation. And therefore, um, Kristen, I believe we have to operate mm -hmm. under the legislation and the provisions that currently exist. Uh, yeah, right. So that does not mean that the government cannot make changes to that legislation. They have the power to legislate. So if they do make changes, then you will be able to operate under the changes that are made. But currently, that is what the provision requires. But mm -hmm. once again, no, it's 14 days notice if you as the employer intend to send an employee off on vacation. If you come to an agreement with the employee to proceed on vacation before, for whatever reason, then that is fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to think about it in very practical terms. This is not a situation that anyone really envisaged um, would happen. And ultimately, sending an employee on vacation is the way to say to them, I am interested in you continuing to earn. Um, these are circumstances in which most businesses may be um, entitled to consider um, laying off staff um, because these are the exact circumstances that layoff, take, layoff and short time take into consideration. Um, there is likely to be a reduction in um, the demand for certain services in the way that we've previously delivered them. And we have two options. We can either adjust how we deliver the services um, or we can say, we're going to lay off staff and see how things happen after um, COVID-19 goes away. So we have to be practical. And a lot of the things that we will discuss are practical considerations. And um, even though you have legal obligations, most of them are things that you can um, discuss with your employees and have them agree that in these circumstances, they're prepared 
to waive those obligations. Um, something like, as I said, sending an employee on vacation, have a simple conversation, but, but don't do it in an attacking way. Try to have a conversation that makes it clear you are trying your best to ensure that they continue to earn, notwithstanding the environment. And it's in their interest that they be sent on vacation. Otherwise, you have to adopt other um, steps, which may include them having to go to NAS with a number of other people who don't have those options and wait to be paid. It's really as simple as that. We have one more question. I picked up my daughter from the airport after she spent months in the USA. Should I, as an employee, self-isolate? Um, I think as an employee, you should speak to your employer about that um, and indicate the extent to which you think there's a possibility um, of exposure. I think that would be a responsible way of approaching it. And depending on the, the type of employment that the person is in, it may be a situation in which they don't have to self-isolate and stop work. They may self-isolate and work differently. Um, it may be useful to have that type of discussion mm -hmm. with the employer. As I said, pretty much everything now is about a discussion. It's about trying to find a way to keep things going and not while still maintaining the safety of not only yourself, but the other people around you. I don't see any more questions posted. Did you, that was your last question that you received, Kamisha? Hold on, one, another one just came in actually. Can you discipline an employee who is not practicing social distancing as a breach of health and safety maybe if a conversation was already held with the person and they are still not respecting the safety of others what should you do uh, it actually depends on how you have addressed the issue of health and safety you know you should have in you should have a written a written policy um, you should create a written circular that is made known to all members of staff. In the event that you have not done that yet, you can do it now and circulate it and indicate that this is now a policy of your organization to ensure the safety of all persons working within it. And that a breach of that particular policy may result in disciplinary action. So, I always recommend with things like this that you put it in writing. Yes, you should have it conversations with your employees, you should have meetings, you should get buy-in from the employee, but you should make it clear in writing how important it is to comply with these things because if you, if they do not comply with what you have said and you don't have it in writing and that's how it's supposed to be, then any other employee that gets sick um, can say that you have breached your obligation to them. So I would recommend you put it in a written policy, you communicate that clearly to all members of staff and make it clear what the consequences of failure to comply with that are, and then you can proceed to discipline if someone fails to comply with Because what you don't want to happen is that person who is failing to comply actually infects another member of staff mm -hmm. and that staff member says, the manager of the company knew that this employee was not practicing social distancing and they did nothing in this scenario. 
Yes. And that is the situation you want to avoid. Mm -hmm. Precisely. Okay. So if we have no other questions on this topic, um, just one last reminder before we go, you can check our employer's toolkit, um, COVID-19 toolkit, Managing COVID-19 in the Workplace. It is available on the Barbados Employers Confederation's website, barbadosemployers.com. As we, as the situation changes and we publish more information, we will continue to update the toolkit. And we are trying to make sure that the necessary information is communicated to our members and to employers in Barbados. It is a time where there is a lot of information and we're trying to synthesize that to make it easy for you to understand and to respond and to ensure the health and safety of your employees, but also to preserve your businesses and see how you can continue throughout this situation. So at the end of the day, that we can have some more resilient and successful businesses in Barbados. Right, so once again, you can check out the information on our website and we'll be back again tomorrow morning at 10 and then at 3 p.m. in the afternoon to once again share more information with you. Right, so thank you everyone for joining us. As we said, the, this session is going to be recorded as well as the future sessions and placed so that it, the information is available to everyone. So thank you all for participating and you will hear from us tomorrow morning at 10 a.m.